Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Craig Johnson, the New York Times best-selling author of the Long My series and the basis for the Netflix original series Longmire. And you're on Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Hey friends, today's topic is blessing others. Now many of you know that I talk a lot about my daddy, Dwayne, and I'm going to talk a little bit about him right now. I learned about life and how to be my very best from my dad. He was a college professor in a small town called Clorinda, Iowa. My brother-in-laws love to tease me and say it was the clear end of Iowa because it's by Nebraska and Missouri. Well, my daddy, as a college professor, not only taught that, but he was also a gunsmith and a watchmaker, and he loved to invest in other people. There wasn't hardly one single night of my life that we didn't sit down for supper, some fabulous roast beef dinner that mom was making, and we would sit down and the doorbell would ring, and it was one of those students. They needed wisdom. They wanted help. Were they going to buy or sell crops? Were they going to fix the truck or buy a new one? Were they going to marry this girl or not? Dad would always sit down and give them all the time he had and all of that great wisdom. Whenever hunters were getting ready to head out for hunting season with pheasants, boy, my dad would fix their guns. He was always investing in the community. But Here's what I loved about my daddy. He was a blessing to others. He had been blessed with talents and gifts, and he turned it around and blessed others. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. The thing that I love about this show today is that I have a fabulous guest, Craig Johnson, the author of the Longmire book series, and he is going to be talking to us. But I want you to know that when Dean and I went to Wyoming last month, we found out that this is how Mr. Johnson is. He's been blessed with incredible gifts and talents, and he's giving back and blessing his community. So here we go. Just stay tuned for an exciting episode. Joining me in the studio today is Craig Johnson, the incredible best-selling author who has written the Longmire series that took off to become the renowned Netflix series Longmire. Longmire originally aired on A&E and is currently produced by Netflix and features Sheriff Walt Longmire in the small town setting of Durant, Wyoming, as he solves crimes. Oh, I love this show, listeners. Craig is here to talk about his latest Longmire installment in his book series, as well as the kickoff season five for the Netflix series. And Craig, welcome to the show. Good to be here. So listeners, Dean and I were fortunate to attend Longmire Days in Buffalo, Wyoming, Craig's hometown last month. Thousands of people attend every year and commemorate Craig's books, the fabulous characters he's created and the actors who portray them. Everyone converges together in this beautiful little western town to celebrate Craig's creation, the wonderful world of Sheriff Walt Longmire. So, Craig, when did you first discover that you had a talent for writing, and when did Sheriff Walt first show up in your imagination? Well, I came from a family of storytellers. Like, um, we didn't have a, a great deal of money when I was growing up, and so what we ended up doing um, after dinner was going out and sitting on the porch and talking. And uh, what I discovered very early on was that that was a very valuable talent. I mean, somebody who could cook a fine meal, that's a, that's a talent. Somebody who could rebuild a small block engine, that's a talent, you know. And uh, somebody who could tell a good story, that was kind of a talent, too. And so it was kind of taught to me at a very early age 
um, that that was a worthwhile thing to try and achieve. And so, you know, I came from, like I said, a family of storytellers, and so there was a lot of competition. And so I had to kind of hone my skills, you know, at a very early age. And then my education was actually in writing. Like I just didn't let that get in the way of becoming a writer. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, that's the way that I write the books. I like the books to seem as if, you know, you were to go into the Busy Bee Cafe and sit down and one of the stools like that, and Walt Longmire were to come in and, and sit down on the stool next to you and start telling you about what happened to him last month. And uh, from that point in time, I just wanted to be as if you were falling into that world. I don't want you to even remember that you're reading a book. You know, the, the books are written in first person, so it's almost as if you're kind of in Walt Longmire's head um, for like 350, 400 pages. And, uh, you know, the Walt series was the very first uh, books that I started to write. The very first one was The Cold Dish. And um, it's kind of started up the series. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, how he kind of came to be was a little bit in response to a lot of stuff that was going on in crime fiction novels and in television shows and everything, uh, in the sense that um, it seemed like everything was all kind of like it, it was kind of CSI kind of driven. Everything was kind of technically driven. Um, and the technology seemed to be robbing everything of, you know, the humanity and the place and all of that. Not that I'm anti-technology, but I just had some doubts uh, that a lot of the stuff that they were doing in these books and television shows were completely um, feasible. And so I, I ran into a, uh, a friend of mine who was a uh, Division of Criminal Investigation investigator here in Wyoming, and I asked him, I said, how long does it take you guys to get DNA evidence? And he paused for a second, and he goes, is this a high-profile case? And I said, yeah, let's pretend like it's a high-profile case. And he said, about nine months. And I was like, oh, well, that's just a little bit different than, you know, the way it's portrayed in these TV that's shows right. and yeah. in these books. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, yeah, yeah, it is. Like, and so I thought, well, what if you did, you know, a procedural that took place in the least populated county in the least populated state in America? Maybe that would... Uh, be something that would make you kind of focus more on place and more on character. And, and that always seems to be where the best, you know, the best writing seems to come from. And I think that you've just incredibly succeeded at that because I think just, you know, with today's society and technology, you stand, you know, you start believing that it's all of these machines and equipment that are solving the cases, but you've gone directly to, you know, Walt, who's real and authentic, and you've made him so likable and believable you know, that when we actually saw him on the street, you're thinking, oh, there's Sheriff Longmire. You don't remember that it's an actor, Robert Taylor. So you've done an <laughs> incredible job with that. So listeners, God has gifted Craig with an amazing talent, and he's told you about this, this storytelling gift that he has. But the thing that I love the most about him is that when Farmer Dean and I met him, he was as real and kind and as regular as anybody that we'd meet right downtown Benson here in Minnesota. Craig made himself available to every single person who walked down the streets at Longmire Days. And as a celebrity, both Craig and the Longmire cast were as authentic and genuine as they are in his books and the Netflix show. So, Craig, growing up in this small town of Buffalo, Wyoming, people love your books and you've become this big success. And I'm overwhelmed at that real authentic personality where you're kind and generous and how you pour your attention and business back into the hometown by bringing this Longmire days back to Buffalo. How did that start? What, what made you decide to do that? 
Well, it's kind of hard to get carried away with yourself, you know, in a town of 25. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I've got a wife who, like, you know, keeps me kind of like on a short leash as far as that kind of thing is concerned, allowing my ego to get too carried away. But sure. uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not too hard like that because, I mean, Walt is a very grounded, you know, kind of character. And so it's not like I'm actually writing about James Bond who's, you know, jetting around all over the world and all of that. I mean, I, I was brought up with some very, you know, uh, um, very simple, you know, uh, kind of beliefs, like that, and very simple, you know, kind of uh, upbringing like that. And so it's it's kind of hard for me to get away from that, to be honest. And so, you know, Walt just kind of reinforces that a little bit in the sense that, you know, he's kind of what I refer to as, you know, people ask me, they say, well, what's the one word that would describe Walt? And the one word that I come up with is decent. You know, he's, mm, he's decent. Yeah. He's, uh, it's a word that's not used that much these days, like that, which is a shame because I think it expresses a great deal. And, uh, you know, one of his secret weapons is he really cares about people. He, he really likes, you know, the people that are in his county. Uh, whenever I talk to a lot of older sheriffs, you know, one of the terms that they use over and over again is my people, my people, my sure. people. And that's kind of one of the things that's, you know, one of the reasons why it is that I chose a sheriff. Um, as the protagonist in my books was because, you know, I'm, I'm usually explaining this, you know, uh, in foreign countries. The books have been translated into about a dozen languages. Oh, neat. The, the television is showing in about, you know, uh, in about 100 countries. And so okay. I, I kind of have to explain what a sheriff is you mm, know, and kind of sure. go into the whole thing about how they're not only a policeman, but they're also a politician in the sense that, you know, they have to go out and get votes you know, to right. be able to continue yep. uh, you know, keeping their jobs. Um, but I think that that's, you know, one of the things that I think that uh, helped to keep the, you know, not only the books, but also the television show kind of grounded a little bit. As far as um, Longmire Days is concerned, um, it's kind of an unnatural disaster that evolved um, along with the uh, the Office of Tourism, you know, for the state of Wyoming. Okay. Um, the very first uh, Longmire Days that we had was simply me. Uh, sitting under an umbrella out in front of the Busy Bee Cafe signing books. Like that. And, uh, you know, it, it was like a couple hundred people showed up, you know, and so it was not a, not a failure in any sense like that, but it certainly wasn't, you know, what it uh, kind of evolved to be um, over the last five years. Um, the, uh, the Office of Tourism asked me, they said, you know, well, what do you think the chances are of getting the actors from the TV show to come up to Buffalo. And I said, well, I don't know. Which ones do you want me to ask? And they said, all of them. <laughs> I, and I was like, it. okay. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> so, you never really know, you know, what kind of a response you're going to get to these type of things, you know, because, I mean, these actors are, are very much in demand. Um, and, you know, you never know, you know, what kind of a response you're going to get or, you know, how uh, available they're going to be like that. But the one thing I did know was is that these were really incredibly you know, charming people like mm-hmm. that, that were very, you know, gracious, you know, with their time and with their energies like that. And I thought, okay, it's kind of like bringing somebody home to meet your mother, yeah. um, to bring, you know, these people, you know, to your, to your town and, uh, and let them meet everybody. You have to hope that they'll be on their best behavior. And I had no doubts about uh, the actors that are in Longmire. They're a pretty wonderful group of people. And, um, I did, you know, the next year like that, we brought almost the entire cast, um, up to Buffalo, look at, and uh, I think I think we've got almost close to twenty thousand people that are showing up in these days. Fabulous! That's it, fabulous. It's turned out to be you know quite a boon uh, for the little town. I mean, you know, the economy's tough. Look at in the in the high plains. Look at it's sometimes difficult for some of these smaller towns to, you know, to uh, not only survive but to thrive. And I, I like to think that you know that that. Uh, having this kind of event and having Longmire Days be back here in Buffalo and in Johnson County and here in Wyoming is kind of important in the sense that it gives me an opportunity to give a little bit back um, from what it is that I draw from. 
Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes about writing is the one from Wallace Stegner where he says that, uh, you know, the greatest piece of fiction ever written is that disclaimer that's at the beginning of every book that says nobody in this book is based off of anybody alive or dead. Yeah. You know, what a crock that is. <laughs> and that's your job to go out and sure. find people to put in your book. That's right. And that's right. a wonderful thing yeah. about being in Wyoming is being able to, uh, you know, take all of those interesting people that I meet and utilize them and then, you know, sometimes change the names to protect the innocent. Right. Absolutely. Well, I loved being there because when it first started out, I mean, we met you on Thursday night and on Friday morning with that incredible parade with the, you know, the event of having all of those actors in in the great old cars. It was just so neat. And I loved it because they were just like, like you said, you know, bringing your family in to meet your friends because that's how Mm -hmm. we felt. And so you guys have really succeeded in making it feel so comfortable and real and with all of the people there you know we never felt like we were on top of each other it was just beautiful it was a beautiful setting and fun days well we're talking to craig johnson author of the longmire book series which is the basis of the longmire show airing on netflix so you have a brand new book out it's coming out on september 13 called um an obvious fact so tell us a little bit about that storyline for the new mystery and you know kind of what that's about <laughs> It's a little bit different. You know, I, I try and do something a little bit different, you know, with each of the books. And um, this one, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a straightforward kind of uh, an investigation like that. But uh, the setting and uh, the background to it are just a little bit different. Um, you know, one of the things that we have here in Wyoming, you know, is a lot of small towns. like that. And one of the small towns uh, in the northeast corner of Wyoming is a little town called Hewlett. And uh, Hewlett has a population of about 390 people and a police force of one. And um, <laughs> it's actually, that's, a, that's actually, you know, on the high plains with our crime rate, it's actually a pretty good ratio, you know, about one cop for every 400 people. Um, the only problem is that um, they have a little sister city over in South Dakota called Sturgis. Oh, sure. And uh, once a year, about a million bikers That's descend right. onto the town of Sturgis. And uh, they can't really you know, keep themselves you know, from being compelled to drive over in a loop across the border into Wyoming, where we have the first national monument of the United States, which is uh, Devil's Tower. Right. And uh, so they always like to drive through there and go, and that takes them right through the little town of Hewlett, Wyoming. Mm. And all I could think was, you know, okay, I've got a town of 390 people with 50,000 bikers in it and only one cop. That's probably something that Walt and Henry and Vic probably need to be involved with. Sure. And, uh, I love it. That was the, 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 uh, the, the beginnings of the idea of an obvious fact. And uh, the title actually comes from another well-known crime fiction writer, Arthur Conan Doyle. It's actually a quote from Sherlock Holmes. Oh, sure. There's nothing so deceptive as an obvious fact. Oh, I love it. And this comes from where uh, Henry actually borrows a book out of Walt's bookshelf and uh, and throughout the entire book is quoting Sherlock Holmes to Walt, much to Walt's uh, dissatisfaction. (laughs) Uh, He uh, he hates to be second-guessed, and especially hates to be second-guessed by the greatest detective of all time. There you go. I love it. And you know what? Devil's Tower is so cool. I mean, it's big and ominous and neat. So how fun that that's in your, you know, in your book. So Craig, oh, it's a spectacular place. It is. I always look at the books as being an opportunity to kind of be tour guide. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, for my state, you know, to, to kind of like show it out there and say, you know, well, this is here and this is here and this is here. You know, it's kind of interesting. Absolutely. Place. Yeah. If you can't get here like that, well, at least you can read the books and enjoy it that way. So, Craig, when you sit down to write one of these new books, where do you find this inspiration for these stories? 
I mean, obviously, well, an awful you... lot of the time, I have to be honest with you and yeah. say that they come from newspaper articles. Okay, and I'm you know I'm a victim of uh, of newspapers. I, I always grab newspapers from every little small town that I happen to be going through. And, um, you know, it's always the case that, you know, the, the truth is stranger than fiction. That's right. Um, and yeah. for me, you know, one of the big excitements is, is to stumble onto a storyline that I think, you know, might be a good Walt Longmire story. So I've got file folders that are completely full of uh, newspaper articles and magazine articles and stories mm-hmm. that I've heard people telling that I'll write down and kind of put away. And then what I do is I kind of have a, you know, the planets kind of have to be in alignment um, as far as the books are concerned, you know, I'll have a, a plot um, that I want to use, but then again, I also have to look and see where the characters are in their lives and, um, you know, what kind of an effect that this particular plot would have. And then I have settings, you know, that I want to use. Like I just recently, I had another book come out that was called The Highwayman um, that takes place in the Wind River Canyon uh, portion of Wyoming. And um, it's a beautiful, you know, incredible spot, you know, with 2,500 foot. Uh, canyon walls, granite walls on either side, and uh, I had this idea, like uh, just to you know, give you an idea of what that particular book was like, I, I had this idea from actually a Charles Dickens short story called The Signalman um, that I wanted to use, Like, uh, but the problem was is that it was impossible to do in the modern era where we have computers and GPS sure. and sure. cell phones and radios and all of this, and I happened to be talking to a highway patrol buddy of mine, uh, um, Jim Thomas, and I said, uh, you know, we were both talking about the Wind River Canyon, and he made some remark. He said, well, you know what the old-timers used to call the canyon? And I said, no, what's that? And he goes, no man's land. Mm. He said that until they put a, an antenna in the canyon, there really wasn't any way to talk to the uh, the highway patrol like that that would go into the canyon. And I thought, oh, that's where this story needs sure, to be place. Sure. And what a great yeah. idea to be taking you know your ideas from actual real stories, because then it doesn't seem so far out there. It, it feels grounded like you've got, you know, you're created, your characters to be grounded. So, and oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I don't want to ever fall prey to is I don't want to, you know, come up with all kinds of, like, outrageous, you know, kind of storylines, right. you know, that, that don't seem realistic to me. I mean, you know, that's, that's a right. big thing for me. I don't want to ever want to have Walt chasing Al-Qaeda in Cook <laughs> County, and I exactly. don't want to have Walt on a cruise ship or things like that's that. Right. I, that's I kinda right. I kind of want to have him dealing with things that, you know, that Western sheriffs deal with. That's correct. And yeah. uh, once again, that, that keeps the stories and, and the characters all kind of grounded. Well, I have to tell my um, editor from the Swift County Monitor right here in Benson, he'll be thrilled. I have a column in the paper, and he'll be excited to know that that's one of the ways you get your ideas. So with becoming a well-respected author, did your parents, I want to talk about your parents for a few minutes, because... You know, here's this great kid that they've raised that's, you know, created something that's affecting people all over the world. Um, How did they, you know, how did they respond? Did they ever get to see your work? And, you know, how did they feel about you being a successful author? They did. They they got to, you know, one of the first things I would do is send them a book. As soon as, you know, the books got published, I would get them an advanced reader copy and then, you know, of course, sign a book and have it ready for them as soon as as they arrived. Um, And, yeah, they did get a big charge out of the fact that, you know, that, you know, that the books made the New York Times bestsellers list and that they've been translated into all these languages and that there was a TV show based on it. But I, I don't think they ever really had a full connection, you know, because mo- both my parents actually passed away just last year. Um, but I, I, I kind of, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, it, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit because they, they didn't, I don't think, really understand, um, you know, exactly how well things were going because they were still trying to prompt me to get a real job. Um, still kind of prompting me to, <laughs> to, get, 
wanted some sort of a job where I would have, you know, some benefits, you know, and a good retirement plan and all this type of thing. They they had a hard time believing that this this writing books things was ever going to work out or that sure. it was going to be something that I could sustain and continue to do as a career. And uh, I've I've been extraordinarily fortunate. And uh, I, I think towards the end they did kind of figure out that I was going to be okay and they didn't have to worry about it. That's so super. So the Netflix series Longmire will be starting up in its fifth season on September 23rd. I'm so excited. I can hardly wait. How did your Me too. Book, yes? How did your <laughs> book series make its way to Hollywood? Because uh, we know that Robert Taylor is the perfect Walt Longmire on the show, and in our minds, he's just it. He's the real thing. And you and Robert work closely together. You know how did how did it get to be a Netflix show? And and how was your friendship helping to spur on your creativity? Because you know together, you guys were fun to listen to and to watch at Longmire Days. Well, it's you know it's it's a it's a miracle is what it is like any kind of dealings with with Hollywood. Um, I mean, it's a miracle enough that you can get something published. I mean, that's that's a you know a miracle unto itself like that. But then, you know, whenever I would be talking with people, you know, once the books got started, people would say, well, when they make a TV show or when they make a movie out of your books, and I would sit there and think to myself. Do you know what the chances against that are? I mean, what the odds uh, of that actually happening are? It's it's just you know stunning to even think that something like that would happen. And um, I was just incredibly fortunate, you know, to have uh, have that happen. And and what happened was is that um, I, I did something different. Um, you know, I have a lot of authors who ask me why your books? Why did your books get made into a uh, a TV show or a film or whatever, and and I think that you know, in a lot of ways, being an author in many ways is like kind of like being a cop in the sense that when everybody's running in one direction, you need to kind of be running in the other direction. Um, and when I first started writing the books, you know, there just seemed like there were so many um, novels out there that were all about you know large city cops, like that they were you know in New York or in L.A. or in Chicago or places like that. And it just seemed to me that maybe it was time to maybe try something that was a little bit different and going in a different direction that I think, you know, made a big difference. And um, after about seven books, I think it was uh, Hell is Empty, the third or the seventh book in the series, like I finally got contacted um, by Warner Brothers. And they said, uh-huh. hey, you know, we're thinking about making a TV show out of your books. And um, that kind of like evolved into a package deal with them um, and A&E. Um, as the producing network, and um, we were, you know, we were great guns. Like it, it was uh, the highest-rated scripted drama in A and E's history. Um, and then, you know, after two years, you know, they decided they wanted to own the show, like that. And uh, Warner wouldn't sell them the show, and that was basically the main reason why it was that the show got canceled by A and E, which is a little bit silly, like that. But these kind of things happen with sure, America, sure. I guess, especially in Hollywood. And what was nice about it was is Hollywood didn't you know miss a beat like that because Netflix stepped in and said we'll take that show thank you very much mm, love that and uh, <laughs> we're basically trending you know pretty much every night um, on Netflix and uh, that fifth season you know will start out on September 23rd which yeah. is really exciting and I think you got to give credit where credit's due I think you know the producers did an amazing job um, the directors do a fantastic job all the technical people down in Santa Fe. Um, that are involved with the show do an amazing job, and all the actors do a, a really incredible job on the show. Yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips, yes. um, you know, A. Martinez, mm-hmm. uh, Zon McLaren, um, uh, you know, Bailey Chase, uh, Cassidy Freeman, Adam Bartley, all these incredible actors, mm-hmm. uh, Luann Stevens, you know, they just do an amazing job. But you really kind of got to give credit where credit's due, and that kind of starts at the top. Right. And right. Um, we were very fortunate enough to get this uh, actor by the name of Robert Taylor. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And 
he he actually just you know was the living persona um, of, uh, of 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 Walt Longmire in the books. You know, Walt is you know a little bit older uh, than than Robert, like that, and maybe a little bit bigger, which is even kind of hard to believe. Because <laughs> it Robert's is. about six foot three, and weighs is, about you know yeah. two hundred and twenty pounds, like that. But uh, you know, in the books, you know, Walt's an offensive lineman for USC and a, a Marine investigator in Vietnam, like that. And he's about six foot five and weighs about you know close to two hundred and fifty pounds. Wow! But um, but six foot three and two twenty is pretty good it in is, Hollywood. It is. That is what yeah. I've discovered. Like that since. Uh, um, the majority of the actors are about five five. Like <laughs> exactly, <laughs> we kind of exactly. lucked out with the DNA that we got with Robert, and he's just one of those really marvelous actors who uh, um, is very understated. You know, he, he's learned very early on, like that, that you know that you don't have to do a lot of acting, that you don't have to move around or react a whole lot, like that. That you can just stay still and mm-hmm. still be interesting. Sure. And, uh, sure. He's also one of those guys where you kind of see the wheels turn. Um, whenever he's thinking, and uh, and that's one of the things about Walt is is that you know he's he, he likes being mistaken as just a good old cowboy uh, sheriff. You know sometimes people underestimate him, and that's that's something you just don't want to do. That's so that's so true. I mean he just I think with his big stature. I remember wa- watching him out of the rearview mirror. We were trying to decide what are we going to do next, and I said, oh look, there's Craig and. I just call him Walt. I know it's Robert, but in my mind, he's Walt. And you guys were walking across the street, and I just said, you know, I would know that walk anywhere because it's just kind of who he's, you know, become with the whole show. It's so fun. It is. It is. So with your imagination and, and making all of this up, which I just absolutely love, you know, how do your family and friends relate to this? I mean, do they do they really, you know, understand or grasp that you've had an impact and an influence? Or, you know, you said your wife kind of keeps you in check, so... You know, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I think, yeah, they do. Like, that. We, I've got a nine-year-old granddaughter uh, who I think, you know, over the years has kind of gotten an idea that this is, you know, not something that normally happens to everybody. Um, you know, with Longmire days, you know, and going down to Santa Fe and being on set, you know, and all these type of things. Um, but, you know, in, in the final analysis, you know, even with all of these wonderful things that happen, you know, my life is pretty simple, to be honest. I mean, I've got a little ranch. You know, as I stated, you know, on the outskirts of, of U-Cross, Wyoming, with a population of 25. Like and, <laughs> you know, and I go down and shovel out the barn every day. Like okay. that, and I go out and fight with the irrigation, you know, every day. Sure. And I go out and deal with the stock every day. And so um, I think that's what they see, you know, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the writing thing is, is kind of a mystery. It's, you know, when I disappear up into the loft and I'm gone for a number of hours and and magically, these books appear. Okay. Yeah. So you know, for, for them, it may look like uh, it's kind of a little bit of a magic, uh, but uh, in all honesty, it's just, just more good hard work is all it is. So listeners, mark your calendars, because Craig is coming right here to Minneapolis, Minnesota on September 29th for a book signing at Once Upon a Crime from 7 to 9 p.m. And you can purchase one of his 15 great Longmire books or shirts, hats, mugs, anything that you really want Fun stuff at his website, Craig Allen, A-L-L-E-N Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com, Craig Allen Johnson.com. Check that out. And Craig, thanks so much for being on the show. We're excited about your new book coming out. We're excited about the new series starting up again. And thanks so much for being with us today. Absolutely my pleasure. What a joy. Listeners, what does it mean to give back? What does it mean to have some talents and then to just use them to bless other people? Well, I want to live my life like that. Do you? How can we do that? Whether we live in a little itty-bitty town or we live in a big, huge city, 
God's given us talents and he wants us to use them to bless others. What kind of gifts do you have today? What kind of things can you do for others? Can you share your knowledge like my daddy did? Can you mow a lawn or bake a cake or make phone calls or drive a friend to the doctors? Encourage a cancer victim? Hug an elderly friend? Call your mom? Just do it. Make a difference. Make a change. Share yourself with a world and bless others. The best thing you can do to live your best life is to be a blessing for others. How are you living your life? What gifts do you have to share? And when you actually make it and you're successful, how will you give back? Let me pray with you. Dear Jesus, you've blessed us with many gifts and talents. Help us to discover them, use them for good, and bless others. And when we find ourselves in a place where we're incredibly blessed, help us not to look in and be selfish, but to always look out and be giving. Help us to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you missed last week's show, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes at Kathy Weckworth, Your Best. Hey, friends, if you enjoy listening to this show, log on to iTunes and go in and give us a good rating because this helps us to know what kind of information you like to hear about, and it also helps other people to know about the show. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Yeah.